It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Eric, five years ago, you gave a message called The Blanket Carriers. Uh, you were out of town this last weekend, so we were going back to an archive sermon. And so uh, we've debuted or re-debuted. Is that how you'd say it? <laughs> we have relaunched, re-released yeah. uh, The Blanket Carriers. And then this week, we're going to be walking through, uh, just in three sessions, walking through, just kind of taking that message even deeper. But could you give a quick overview of just what The Blanket Carriers yeah. even is? It sounds like... A little toddler message, but that's actually not the focus at all. <laughs> I haven't thought about it from that uh, <laughs> lens. It's it's there is one story in the Bible which I think falls into the awkward category. You know, we as we as we read through the Bible cover to cover, you just sort of move certain stories into that camp. Yeah, it's I've like got a, several in that yeah. group. Yeah, <laughs> a little box full of them that you know you don't quite know how to discuss with people, but if it comes up, you sort of chuckle under your uh, under your breath. But one of them is Noah's nakedness, okay? And it's like, what is that doing in the Bible? How about an awkward story? (laughs) And yet everything in the Bible is there on purpose. And when you approach Scripture recognizing that everything is revealing the Christ or the the life of the Christ, how we relate as Christ, there's so much richness to the Scriptures. And this story has a surprising... Uh, golden edge to it that even though it's a bit awkward, okay, and our we have a, a session this week that we're going to be unveiling, which has an awkward title to match the awkward story, uh, but it's actually really beautiful, and it's about how Shem and Japheth are going to cover their father's nakedness as opposed to Ham, and so you're going to see a contrast of responses to it, and that's what the message is on: is how we as Christians cover the weakness in others around us. But it's also an important life lesson for how we deal with our own weaknesses too. Because it's not that we're just, you know, the perfect ones and everyone else has problems that we need to deal with. It's the fact that we need to be covered as well. And that's, of course, what the gospel is. And that's what's so beautiful about this message. The blanket carries is it really is walking through the gospel practically how it doesn't just come to us from Christ, but then through us. others. It's really good. Well, if someone hasn't listened to that message, we'd highly encourage them to go back and listen to that archive message. You can do that at ellersley.com, go to the sermons page, or if they're listening this week, then go to ellersley.com forward slash daily. In this particular episode, we were wanting to talk through this idea of how do we deal with the weaknesses within ourselves? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's probably anybody listening well, let me say it this way. If someone was listening and said, I am the complete perfect package, <laughs> then there's pride and you now have some weakness. So we, we all we all have weaknesses that that we need God to do something with. Yeah. But how do we how do we deal with the weaknesses of our own lives? Because it's mm-hmm. so easy to look at ourselves or self-examine and just be like, I am either such a mess mm-hmm. that I've got I got so much that God has to clean up and deal with and mm-hmm. just change. Or we kind of overlook things. Do you have mm-hmm. any just basic thoughts to get us going in terms of how do we begin to deal with the weaknesses of ourselves? So there's a lot going on in in our world today, as we all know. But then in the church, you see a rumbling, like where people are trying to know how to get their feet under them and know how to respond to what's going on. And a lot of what comes out are sort of doom and gloom prophecies about what's happening. And there really is some dark stuff stirring around us. And yet it can really be 
heavy on a lot of people right now of like, man, I don't even have a hope in a future. I mean, my, all I have is to look forward to is some kind of prison camp. And it's, it's an important thing because what happens in those processes is it begins to breed maybe fear, anxiety, fretting, foreboding. And uh, the devil's playing it. You know, he has his little instrument and he's playing it. He knows the song that gets us to sort of unravel and to fall to pieces. And as a result, it sort of exposes the fact that, wow, I feel so weak. And that weakness can be exposed in various ways. You know, if you have an ongoing sin pattern, boy, you have no need to be convinced that there's weakness. But there's different ways of handling it. Sometimes we just justify. It's like, I don't think God cares about that. It's a classic means, self-justification. You know, it's like, hey, look, but I do all these other good things, so I can't imagine God's going to hold that against me. And self-justification at any level is just a very bad thing. When you start to go into the victim mentality, which is just like, but all this has happened to me. That's just sort of the way I survive. I have to nurse myself. It's sort of like sucking my thumb. It's it's okay. God understands. And so you, you actually have a false sense of grace that you apply to the situation. And God is a very understanding God, and he's very merciful. That's true. But God also loves us too much to leave us in a state of weakness or to really match with what we're saying about Noah, in a state of nakedness. In other words, he desires to cover us. He desires to clothe us. He desires to empower us. He desires to build us strong so that we could showcase who he is in the midst of these situations. Which, so, by the way, if I could just pause. Yes. Uh, there's a beautiful picture of that, even with Adam and Eve, where the moment that they sin— God immediately brings, I mean, they try to self-cover, Yeah. but I love the fact that God brings sacrifice and tries to actually, and he actually covers them with a blanket of an animal, yeah. uh, most likely a lamb. It's just a beautiful picture of that, just that picture of what you're saying in terms of God de- desires us not to just stay in nakedness, but actually desires to cover us with himself. Amen. And so I think one of the, one of the things that is a tremor uh, in many of our souls is that question of, okay, say it gets really bad and say I am asked to deny Christ, but I can't. I have to stand with Christ. First of all, we have this concern like, will I actually stand with Christ? And But let's let's imagine that we have stood with Christ, but now we're paying the ultimate cost for it. Uh, One of the things that I've thought through many times over is just what I would call the secret of martyrdom. And the secret of how to walk through not just the most extreme situation of you dying uh, and going through extreme suffering, but even the small things in your life where you're going through a trial. What is the secret to walking through these points of extreme weakness? Jesus on the cross, he's weak. That's the way you'd have to look at it. That would be a symbol of weakness. It's not moral weakness. It's physical weakness. And But both things sort of have the same principle to them. So we'll call it the secret of martyrdom because that's just what I've always called it in my, in my head. And look at what Jesus is going to do on the cross. I mean, it's flabbergasting, truly. If there was ever a time for someone to play the victim, it would be Jesus. He is innocent. He is pure. He is full of love. He has done nothing wrong. And yet he is experiencing extreme pain and punishment. And he is being mocked and reviled. His beard is ripped out. He's spat upon. He's receiving uh, scourging that is so extreme that his life is, uh, is just ebbing away. And in this situation of extreme weakness, he is going to consider the thief next to him. And the thief's 
eternal state, like where the thief is going after he dies. I mean, who has time for that in a, in a time of crisis? He is going to think about his mom's condition, and he's going to make sure she's cared for. He is going to think about the souls of those that are actually doing the crucifying. And he is going to ask that God would forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Most of us in a time of suffering, in a time of difficulty, forget about everyone around us, and we only think about ourselves, And that's our way of quote unquote, coping with the situation. And that's why we lack spiritual strength. The secret of having spiritual strength in a time of weakness is to turn outward and agree with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is saying, Eric, I want you to see those around you, but God, I am going through extreme difficulty. So for any of us right here, if I just say pause, I I guarantee you there are people listening to this right now that are going through extreme difficulty. You may not be hanging on a cross, But for you, it might feel like the equivalent of it. And the secret right now is to not be the victim and to say, woe is me, but I'm innocent. I don't deserve this. No, no, no. It's to actually turn outward. Who's next to you right now? Well, that's a thief. He doesn't deserve any good attention. Well, what is Jesus going to do in that situation? And how about uh, those in your family? Like in this case, for Jesus, who is his mom, to consider those around you that even can get under your skin, but to actually consider their needs. They could be going through a similar trial. Just think about what Mary's going through in this situation. Her firstborn son, this Christ child that she's had, which is an extraordinary gift to her life and has probably so impacted her, she is literally in in a suffering that is hard to even put words to. But he's thinking about that. And then those that are even the ones guilty of creating the havoc in his life, he is going to consider them. And that is going to buoy him in the midst of it. It's the spiritual work. Stephen is going to do the same thing. When he is in that situation where he's being stoned, he is going to have his eyes upward and see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he's going to uh, be thinking about those that are doing the stoning. He's going to ask that God not lay it to their charge. That's amazing. That is what we need to be doing uh, in these times of weakness. It's such a brilliant principle, not even just in terms of weakness, but it, just all the time. I think, yeah. I think especially Americans or maybe just Western culture, we have the propensity to be so self-focused and so self-analytical uh, or whatever you want to, yeah. however you want to phrase that that we tend to forget those around us, that when we're in depression or when we're in a, a moment of sadness, we, we we turn inward and we start mm-hmm. going in rather than realizing that if we would turn outward and, and keep our focus on Jesus, yeah. turn our focus on others, you actually find tremendous joy. Yeah. Uh, we were talking even before this episode, you know, how do we do a sin? Well, it's actually the same principle that you don't turn inward. Yeah. The moment I start focusing on my sin or the temptation that I'm, I'm that I may be going through, it's only a matter of time before I give in because the reality or the truth principle is whatever we focus on grows mm. bigger and stronger mm-hmm. in our life. So if we focus on the temptation, it's going to grow bigger and stronger. If we focus on Christ, mm-hmm. he grows bigger and stronger. Yeah. And so I think in any area of weakness, yep. uh, whether it's temptation or whether it's just physical or whether it's emotional or, or whatever it may be, the, the key is not, as you're saying, not to turn inward, not to self-analyze, not mm-hmm. to self-focus, not to wallow in the self-pity but rather turn our gaze outward and outward, up, upward and outward. That's probably how I should say it. Uh, and allow Christ really to be the focus and find ways of loving, find yeah. ways to serve, find ways to make the day of somebody else. Because in so doing, you find that you actually gain a, a rich yeah. benefit of that as well. Our first instinct is wrong. Our first instinct uh, in dealing with our sin 
is to fixate on sin. And if I could just deal with my sin, and ironically, anyone who's ever gone through that that's listening right now knows exactly that actually doesn't solve the issue. And what's interesting is we do need to deal with our sin. I mean, it does need to be dealt with. And so it's not that it isn't a part truth. It's just how you deal with it. And one of the ways we say it at Ellerslie is the key for dealing for this sanctifying process where God is going to take your weakness and turn it into strength isn't done because you fixate on your sin. It's because you fixate on Christ. And when you fix your gaze on Christ and you say, God, here I am, you don't do the digging in your soul to try and eradicate all the junk. He does. And when he puts his finger on something, you go, thank you, Lord. And you deal with it. But you don't have to go on a scavenger hunt. And that's it's a tricky thing. That's why I say first instincts are to go on the scavenger hunt. I need to get all this out as if you can be sanctified in one day. And so, God, I want to be sanctified in one day. And that's just not how it works. And so as a result, there are things 10 years from now that are going to still be dealt with in the life of Eric Ludi. And that sounds terrible. It's like, Eric, what's going on? And yet I can't even see them now. My focus is on Jesus. He knows what I need to deal with today. And he is always dealing with me today. And he has plenty of business to deal with in Eric Ludi because the process of sanctifying Eric Ludi is a maturing process. It's an ever uh, going process. And it's beautiful that way. But the goal of Eric Ludi isn't to fixate on what's wrong with me. It's to focus on what's right with Christ, what's right with his cross, what's right with his nature. And as I do that, he shows me what's wrong here. And But he does it very gently, and not to take the focus off of him and to put it on me, but to just sort of bring something up and go, okay, I agree with you, God. That needs to go. Forgive me for that. And then it's washed. It's cleansed in that same shed blood that is going to wash and cleanse me today. It's going to be the same effect in the years to come when I deal with those things that he's still digging deeper in my life. We also have a first instinct when we are harmed. If we were crucified and we were innocent— what would be our first instinct? It'd be uh, anger. It'd be frustration. It would be hostility. It would be to fight back. It'd be to get off that cross. It'd be to punch someone in the nose. It'd be to uh, go into the realm of unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. That's first instinct. That's how humans normally respond. So when you turn outward and forgive and you consider others as important and you consider their circumstances even more valuable than yours and their comfort is more valuable than yours, what you're doing is you're loving. And love is this great secret. It's funny to say love is a secret of to handling martyrdom. Love is a secret to handling your weaknesses. Love is just the way it works. It's the way the Holy Spirit is working in our life. And so as a result, when we agree with God's system, it buoys us in the midst of challenge. And I just love that concept that the way we're going to be ultimately changed uh, is not through a self-production of change, Mm -hmm. because I can't change myself. Uh, I can't, out of my own flesh, fix the flesh. Yeah. I I really need Jesus, and it's it's the fixation upon him. Uh, This particular message is called In the Prison Cell with Christ. Mm Would you share even just in that concept, because what we talked about has nothing to do with prison cells, yeah. at least presumably, yeah. Yeah. but what or does that title have to do with this whole concept? Yeah, and it's sort of the summation. For us at Ellerslie, we have this one story from Richard Wormbrandt that just sort of is enunciated, and we've gone back to it many times over the years, and that is the story of two Chinese Christians in a prison cell. It's cold. And they have, they're in shackles. They're on, as far as I know, like a dirt floor. And they're right next to each other. All they have to keep themselves warm is a thin blanket. And one of these Christian men has a thought that goes through his head. 
And that is this. If that were Christ next to you, would you give him your blanket? And the man reasons through the situation and he thinks, if that were Jesus sitting next to me, it would be the greatest privilege in my life to give him what I have. And if that means I am even colder, but I could warm Jesus for all he's done to me, that I could give that sort of thanks back to him, it would be an honor. And so he removed the thin blanket from his shoulders and put it around his brother. And it just says it right there. It's like, okay, how do you survive in a prison cell? Well, you turn outward. And that's, that's really hard for us. It's not a first instinct. It's a second instinct. It's the result of what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of our lives. And so the key is that we have to start practicing that. You don't want to wait till you get in the prison cell and you only have a thin blanket. You want to take those thin blanket moments in your life now and actually begin to take advantage of them and train your soul to actually turn outward so that when you get into the more dire, more difficult, more challenging situations, you're groomed and ready to agree with the Holy Spirit. That's so good. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.